2: Hello, it's Rebecca Maeder here, Zelina, the Wicked Witch of the West,
1: and you are listening to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Enjoy, because it's wicked! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I am your host, Henry's cell phone charger, (laughs) and I am joined by my co-host, who I will allow to introduce herself...
0: I am the lucky hyacinth. Still think that sounds like a Chinese restaurant. (laughs) It really does, but that's okay. And we're back.
1: We are back with our fourth or fifth season of this podcast, I guess, if you want to give us seasons. And we are back for the seventh season of Once Upon a Time, which is very much a requel. I think that Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis were correct a thousand percent in using that term because it. Very much feels like a sequel and a reboot at the same time. So, Requel it is. I totally get it. Um, so, yeah, we're back, and we are happy to be here. So, we do want to let you guys know right up front that this episode is obviously going to be a little bit different, and here's why. We don't really have a lot of news bulletins to discuss. So, instead, we're going to move on into our talking points and the review of the episode. So, Hyperion Heights is the name of the season premiere this year. It was written by Adam Horwitz and Eddie Kitsis. It was directed by Ralph Hemmacher. Now, he should be a familiar name to those of you who are regular listeners of the podcast, as well as if you're a pretty much dedicated fan of Once Upon a Time, because he has helmed 24 different episodes of Once Upon a Time, including, these are just a few, Hat Trick, Broken, Queen of Hearts, The Miller's Daughter, Going Home, There's No Place Like Home, The Apprentice, and The Final Battle Part 2, which was the season finale for season six, like the second half.
0: All of my favorites. So, there's a lot of faves in there for me.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of faves in there for me as well. And not only that, but there are episodes that he directed that I really enjoyed that are not included on that list too. So keep that in mind. If you want to do the research, again, it's Ralph Hemaker If you want to look that up, which we highly encourage you to do so so that you can appreciate the work that he has done there. Um, so there's a lot happening here, obviously. There's a lot of setup going on. There's a lot of different things to talk about. Um, you know, we typically would go point by point and kind of do talking points, but I kind of feel like in this instance, um, you know, we're probably going to end up jumping around when we talk about specific storylines. But I really want to talk about the opening segment first, um, and just kind of break that down because that's where everything else branches off from. So it begins with the scene that they had actually screened for us at San Diego Comic-Con. That they later put out online, which is Henry, um, teenage Henry, played by Jared Gilmore in a great cameo guest spot. Um, he's leaving home and he's done with high school, so it's a couple of years, obviously, or however long it is <laughs> <laughs> after the season six finale, because time is wonky in Storybrooke. Um, so we're obviously jumped forward, and he's done, and he's wants to find his own story. And when we first saw this, I really loved it because I thought that that was very fitting for Henry's character and it was very exciting. I've always been a big proponent of, you know, Henry's character getting to kind of take the lead and and come into his own as a hero a little bit more just because I kind of thought that naturally that was the way that it would go, that – Snow White and Prince Charming's grandson would end up becoming a hero himself. He was the author too, but you know, I kind of always advocated for that. And I loved also that he said that he found hundreds of other books, including French and Italian versions of Snow White. I thought that that was great. But he's not in any of them. He's the only him. He said, I'm the only me. Which I thought was some really, not really surprising character work, like development for Henry. Um, but I was pleased that that's kind of where we were going and that That was kind of the overarching theme, it seems, of the requel is, you know, Henry really finding himself as a hero. And I really feel like it's a different struggle than what Emma's kind of was. Um, Ashley, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or not.
0: Well, with Emma, it was obviously her struggle was believing in herself, and Henry already believes in himself. But he wants, I guess he wants to find his place in the world, and I, in... Well... (sighs) not to oversimplify it, but find a way of why these stories weren't believing in him in a way. So I think that's interesting that with Emma, it was very very much an internal struggle, and Henry is going to be struggling against a lot of external forces, it seems. And we did see that in the episode with the older Henry as well, Um, curse or no curse. So I'm actually really intrigued by the reasoning for there being no Henry in all of these stories. And like you said, I do like the fact that they call like made a call out to different versions of these fairy tales that the, you know, the Disney version isn't the definitive one for once upon a time. And we again right. and we'll get to that later. with particularly with one character we're kind of seeing that as well. So it's like, "Hmm, well no, much more than one, more than one character." So it's it's and that I think is like kind of the interesting thing about this episode is how much of a, not to say detour, but a different path that are we going to take from what we know? Um, I'm slightly leery as as I say that, just because I still want it to feel like once upon a time. But I think I'm intrigued enough to see the payoff for what they've set off. they set up yes. with yes,
1: yes. Okay, that's what mm-hmm, I wanted to mm-hmm. hear because I knew that you were so skeptical, and I didn't know how you were going to really react to this or not. So um all right cool i I have opinions don't
0: worry i have opinions oh i'm
1: sure i have opinions too but i'm just i'm glad that you did that and i also love what you had said too about how he wanted to find out why the stories weren't believing in him that's very poetic Go you
0: a poetic opening um, line, if you will. Aww. It is
1: a poetic opening. Oh fuck you with your cleverness! All right, so <laughs> then teenage Henry rides August's motorcycle through a Doctor Strange portal, and don't tell me that's not what it was. because it, it,
2: was. it
0: was that was very interesting at what they're doing with portals this year. I was kind of like, hmm, mm-hmm. but
1: yeah, I liked it a lot because um, it it gives it. I don't know. It's it's different. I like the fact that they're not jumping, and now we're just walking through it. I mean, you know, I mean, it is it's a brand new story, so certain things should change. Um, and I love the fact that we cut to, you know, adult Henry riding the bike in a new realm years later when he almost crashes into Cinderella. Um, that's a great scene as well when he's like, Cinderella, and then, you know, da-da-da. <laughs> and then the new, Did, it's the same theme in a you new You hear key. it.
0: You heard it too. Okay, I, w- I thought it was going nuts because I, I I could hear the difference.
1: Oh, yeah, it's definitely in, in a different key. It's more, I mean, I... I'm not sure if the original cue was in a minor or major key or not, it's but this sinister. one definitely sounds like a minor. This one definitely sounds like a minor key. Um, but yeah, I love the fact that, that it's still there and it was different. I did think that it was interesting that the background was Seattle and that there wasn't like any little animated thing that
0: teaser you know, like I because I yeah, I, 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 well, I mean the Seattle was kind of the teaser. I'm wondering if they'll bring it that back is, in yeah. in more episodes in the season because I actually really loved that
1: yeah Uh, i kind of wish that henry had like i wish that they had given henry like i mean i don't know if it's going to be as big of a thing or not but emma's bug was very iconic iconic and i yeah i wish that henry had had something like that too but that may not be where they're going with this um but i felt like if he's a swift driver then they should give him like i don't know something um, but I mean, it's fine what he has because I don't know. I just
0: his car should have been know. more distinct. I feel. Well, I mean, not his car. The motorcycle though kind of made for it for the motor- like an See, iconic that's thing. The thing.
1: I feel. I feel like that's his iconic ride. Um, you know, right? Yeah, like that's really his steed, right? Like mm-hmm. that's his. Steed, that's his Philippe, um, if I you will. So
0: loved. I did love how Cinderella kept coming up with like weird concoction names for it, like your headless fire belching horse or whatever the hell she called it. And I was just like,
1: yeah. Yeah, that was really sense. cute.
0: Like, Yeah, absolutely. Like, it definitely made sense that she didn't um, understand it right off the bat, though. I mean, she kind of did, though. I mean, let's be serious, but... <laughs>
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I liked it. And I also, like... There, but here's the thing, though, right? Because I said on Twitter, like, what's the deal with the hyacinths at one point? Um, and there's a reason why I said that, too. But I like the fact that when she... Like, when they crashed and whatever, she... Like, there was all those flowers there. Like, I like that there there is something iconic as well to their relationship like their relationship has a symbol like Mm -hmm. the hyacinth which you know yeah so i like i thought that was cool so then we cut to henry who is a driver in seattle for a service called swift there i will say this right because i'm a driver for lyft and i gotta say that that scene was too real because that's really what it's like to have like different people in the background. I haven't had anybody making out like that yet.
0: (laughs) You Um, say that now it's going to happen.
1: Please don't because I'm going back to work after we record this. So um i hope that that does not happen but the scene like when the guys were like drumming and along with the music whatever i wish that i had more people who were fun like that people <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're in, and you're in like a lift car like if your driver is like got some energy go with it because like that's the only fun that we get all day is when people talk to us in the car they have some fun so if you just are on your headphones and on the phone it's totally cool but you know if you've got some spunk then be spunky we like it um and also too i just gotta say i love that the little Mickey Mouse backpack was there and they had mouse ears like they had clearly just gotten back from vacation at Disneyland I was like okay yeah like okay You're 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 hitting all you're hitting all the zones here for me. Um, So then he got Henry gets home and he puts down his keys and Emma's swan keychain is there. And let me tell you, I just about fucking died. Like (laughs) just I mean, oh, my God, I was so excited because that's just not a thing. I mean, I know that it ended up being kind of like a weird bad symbol because Emma said that it was like the thing that reminded her not to trust people with Neil. But I feel like when their relationship improved and was redeemed that necklace took on the original significance again. And it became more of a sweet thing. The fact that his, that the swan keychain is there, it's not just a thing for Emma. It's connected to Neil, his dad too. Mm -hmm. So so I feel like that was like an important little thing. Like we're, that we're not forgetting all of the family history. mm -hmm. They've done a really good job of that, of making sure that they include Neil in moments, like in the finale and stuff, which I really appreciate because it, it, it doesn't just brush that away. Like, he remains a significant figure even now. So I really like that.
0: Well, and especially, I was going to say, the in the flashback, and correct me if I'm wrong because you'll know better than I am, in the flashback it was a keychain, it wasn't a necklace to start out with, so I, I like that you right. we went 100% back to basics, I full guess. Full circle,
1: mm-hmm. absolutely, yes. Well, well everything, there's a lot of full circle moments with one, which is appropriate, because it starts with an O.
0: Well, we didn't talk about the, big, talk about the biggest full circle, the black and white title card, to start oh out, oh my with. god,
1: yes, with like the whole theme and talking about once upon a time there was a magical forest filled with you know fairy tale characters. One day a curse, um, transported to, transported them to what was it a city with no magic and they all forgot who they were. This is how it happened, and I was like, okay, like
0: now I'm
1: into this. Of, yeah,
0: well, like part of me was like, okay, neat, like for you know pilot feels, but then part of me was like okay but we want to be something different do i want pilot feels like am i going to spend the entire time comparing this to once upon a time which i mean i did um so i loved it but i I didn't love it it was weird like see i think it's fascinating that you just
1: said that you were comparing it to once upon a time the whole time when it is once upon a time
0: right but i mean like and you know our opinions differ and i'm very much in a mindset that this isn't once upon a time and I think I part of that for me, honestly, 100% is the setting with Storybrooke. And I, and one of the things I wish that we would have seen in this episode was more of Hyperion Heights than just Ronnie's in the police station, which was two doors down. <laughs> I, I, I wish we would have gotten like a bit more of the lay of the land, kind of how when Emma drives through Storybrooke. And you get all these different shots of, like, this quiet town. And and granted, we did get the troll bridge, but I also, like I said, I would have wished we could (laughs) have seen more of, like, the neighborhood and seen how it's changing from a community, like how uh, Ron Gina says, to this um, newly developed thing that um, our new villainess is all about. And we are definitely going to talk about her later. (laughs) (laughs)
1: all right so and that's when lucy knocks on the door and we see basically the scene play out as it did from the finale when she you know came in and she explained you know that it's his cursed memories and they there were so many great lines in this scene like when he was like i didn't exactly write harry potter and she said (laughs) You haven't written anything since the first one. He said, not all stories come easy. Sophomore albums are hard. Like, okay, that's great stuff. The other thing that I love was Lucy telling him that he isn't living his own story, and that's why he can't really write a second story. And also, too, in this little exchange, there was another line that I thought was significant. It came from Lucy. When she's talking about the curse, she said, The curse put most people in in Hyperion Heights, but that seems significant.
0: Well, I think it would explain a lot of absences,
1: but I want to know why it
0: picked and chose.
1: Right, exactly. So I just, I, that line stuck out to me. And then I also love when Henry said, you know, she's got to do what we all do. She's got to save herself, right, as far as I'm like, talking about her mom. So then we see Jacinda is running down the street to get to work, and she gets to Mr. Cluck's, which I immediately was like, one double cluck combo. And she <laughs> quits after, after her boss goes off on her for standing up for a coworker, and she refuses to apologize. I thought that was an interesting introduction to her character. Like, she's clearly, like, standing up for herself, which I was like, okay, that's probably what ends up getting her in trouble with Lady Tremaine. Mm-hmm. is that kind of attitude. So then we come back to the New Realm, and Henry is waking Cinderella up, and Hyacinth broke her fall. And I just looked it up, and it says that blue Hyacinth means sincerity, and purple means sorrow for a wrong committed. Now, here's another interesting thing about the scene. When... They mentioned the hyacinths. Henry says your favorite flower. How does he know that?
0: Well, he read is all the, the versions just... of the stories.
1: Is that what it is? Like No, he says it's, it's your lucky. He thing? doesn't
0: say favorite, he says it's your lucky flower.
1: No, he says your favorite flower.
0: I thought he said lucky.
1: No, it's he says favorite flower. I mm-hmm. was like, how do you know it's your favorite flower? And then she says that he scared off her horse, Philippe. And I was like, that's a Beauty and the Beast thing. Like, Philippe is the name of Belle's horse. So that was cool. I was like, we're mixing it up. That's that's neat. Um, Henry mentions that he has to be somewhere to catch a, a midnight portal home or a midnight portal to Storybrooke, if you will. Um, and then Henry offers to give Cindy a ride home. Or not home, but to find... I don't actually know. I feel weird calling her Cindy. Henry offers to give Cinderella a ride to find the prince that she's looking for. And he wants to take her on his motorcycle. And that's when we go back to Seattle. And Henry is home. And he opens his desk drawer to find that his laptop is gone. It's been replaced with a note telling him to go to Ronnie's, which is past the Aurora, the troll on the Aurora Street Bridge. Okay. So then we get a little montage where he's driving and whatever, and he sees the the troll under the bridge. And here's what I have to say as a Seattle native. It is represented well. It's not 100% accurate because the actual troll under the the bridge in Seattle is huge, and you can climb on it, and my head is about the size of its eye. Um, So there's a significant size difference there. The placement is also totally wrong. I was like, it's not geographically accurate, and it's not right but I'm from Seattle and I'm just nitpicking because I think it's awesome that they're including it because that troll has forever held an, an actual Volkswagen Beetle in its hand. And so when I had, when they had him go past the troll into the bridge and it was there, it was like, Oh my God, it's Emma's bug. Like <laughs> Emma's bug is in the troll's hand. Like, so now forever when I go home now, every time I go to Seattle and I go into the bridge and any other time, any other ones, go to see the troll into the bridge. The bug that it's holding now can be Emma's bug. And that's just a fun little thing. Um, when he arrives at Ronnie's, a young blonde woman jumps down from the roof and gives him a weird smile and then walks away. And I was intrigued because I knew that it was Alice already because of the casting news, but still.
0: Yeah, I was like, why are you a creeper? But
1: <laughs> Right, why are you a creeper? And then he goes inside and meets Ronnie, who is a cursed Regina. And for those of you who didn't notice, she has on a necklace which is black and has a little R in it, which is very similar to Emma's swan necklace, so just wanted to point that out in case you hadn't seen it.
0: I hadn't, so I'm glad you pointed it out.
1: Yep. Um, it's super obvious the next time that you actually see them talking to each other. Um, there's more of a mid-shot on Lana, and it's much more clear. That's actually when I noticed it, but um, but yeah, it's there. So if you go back and take a look, you'll definitely see it. So then when we come back from commercial, we've got Ronnie saying, it's your lucky day, kid. Okay. Calling Henry kid is such an Emma thing to do that I was like, okay, like, like Ronnie has essence, like, has shades of Emma here. She's got a similar necklace. She's calling him kid. This is like kind of neat because it's like the whole like different family things are coming into play. And then Ronnie tells Henry that drinks are half off until midnight. And Henry says, then what? The place turns into a pumpkin.
0: (laughs) Uh Aha, I see what you did there.
1: (laughs) I legit thought that was great. Um, And then that's when Victoria Belfry will take ownership of the bar. Because she's buying everything in town. This neighborhood used to be a nice place. But not so much anymore. Now, truly, the first thing I thought of when... I heard her say that Victoria Belfry as I was like, Oh, Regina's got a bat in her Belfry or maybe <sighs>
2: Boo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Boo. <laughs> I think it's interesting uh-huh. that the name the Belfry though. Belfries are never really you know, they're tall, imposing structures, um, and they are full of bats. They're not happy places. Her name isn't like you know, Victoria Water Park or anything. Like it's like we, we are meant not to like this person. It'd be interesting if that was a name she chose for herself.
1: Victoria water park. Victoria wave pool. All right. Um, (laughs) All right. So um, I love the fact that there's a little bit of social commentary here as far as gentrification of neighborhoods goes by, you know, imposing real estate developers. It's just an interesting matter of social commentary for today's social world and things happening in it. Mm. So Henry also, like, mentions, like, the kind of the situation that he's in. And I love the fact that he goes, imagine if I came in here and told you I was your son. And the way that Ronnie looked at him, there was, you could tell there's kind of something there. And she was like, that would be a kicker. But you could tell that, like, there was Regina in there. That's when I really saw Regina the first time.
0: It reminded me a little bit of the scene where Emma and Snow, like, talk about that. And she's like, yeah, technically, I'm your daughter. And Snow's like, "Uh uh-huh that that definitely remi- was very reminiscent of that uh that scene. Oh,
1: that's the scene that reminded you of? It reminded me of the scene in The Pilot when Regina has knocked the stuff off the desk and Emma's helping Snow or Mary Margaret pick it up and they're like giving each other that look and you can tell that they know that there's something like there.
0: No, it's no, I mean, I didn't mean it on Regina's part. Like I'm talking about like the 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 similarity in situation and their reactions as opposed mm-hmm. to Regina kind of being in the know cuz I admit that her reaction was a little I don't want to say it was weird, but you it, it wasn't like, like, you definitely, there was something glimmering there under the surface.
1: Yeah, there may be something there that wasn't there before.
0: <laughs> it was more so than I would have thought there would be at this stage in the game.
1: So then we cut to the new realm, and Henry is showing Cinderella how to use the brake and gas for the motorcycle. And I really found that whole scene to be, <clears throat> charming. <sighs>
0: is um, a smooth operator, I will tell you that. Like, he is slick as an operator.
2: adult.
1: Yeah, he he really is. Um, I love that he told her about her own story and how her prince finds her using a glass slipper, and then she's like, that is ridiculous. Do you know how many girls in the kingdom have the same shoe size as me? And he goes, plot hole for sure. <laughs> it's very meta. Like, I feel like that, like, I feel like the 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 first 6 seasons of Once Upon a Time were playful and they definitely obviously had a lot of humor and self-awareness at times but this version feels very much like it feels even more so. This one feels like it's a Once Upon a Time that's very aware of itself kind of thing and it's almost like a self-reflecting version of itself. So I don't know, it's it's a it's an interesting study of the show because I feel like it's It's reflecting back on itself in almost a comedic, not a comedic way and not a mocking way, but it's like reflecting back on itself. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. There's also a little bit of an exchange right after that where he says that it's like a sign or whatever. Yeah, that there's a sign. What did you say? Oh, I don't believe in signs. He said that's how it goes usually. But then, sorry, but then something usually happens to make that to make that happen I leaned away from the mic for just a moment
0: I would have liked to see more patrons in Ronnie's bar like if it was like a neighborhood haunt I would have liked to maybe see some more people that would show up and uh, be Mm. relevant later on like I understand it is the middle of the day so it wouldn't be crowded but you always have like those two guys who are always in a bar Um, so there just being an absence of people in every single scene that we see it it was a little weird for me Um, I felt like that would have been a good opportunity to kind of set up a few other things with the neighborhood, because I mean, well, we see we've seen so far a bunch of people that we know um, are in the neighborhood, but I would have liked to like I, I, I would have liked to see more people. And then again, it could have been very distracting if we saw like such and such sitting in the background, like one of the dwarves or something. But at the same time, it was very not unsettling, but it was just very odd that like this bar is empty, and then like just so they like only there conversations were happening in it. I don't know. That's funny cuz
1: I thought it was I thought it would have been weird that there would have been anybody there. I actually thought that it was strange that she even offered him anything at all and that she had said that drinks were half off until midnight all day. Because I mean, it's not like we really know what time of day it was, but it seemed to me to be like more, like late morning, early afternoon. Um so I was like why is she even there and offering him a drink that I mean to me that scene where maybe bars are open and I'm just I mean maybe you're more of an alcoholic than I am whoa um, (laughs) I mean (laughs) well no
0: I mean like when you know I I go and I play trivia Wednesdays at the pub down the down the street and you know you could come in at like three o'clock in the afternoon or whatever and there's always kind of somebody in there but like whenever I go out of town for stuff, usually my flights are fairly early in the morning. And there's like, even at the hotel bar, there's always somebody there. Like even if they're getting a bloody Mary true,
1: I guess that's true. Maybe there could have been more people there, I suppose. But, um, I mean, it didn't bother me, um, that that was the case. I think that the major reason why there probably weren't more people there was the, the fatal budget curse. Um, mm-hmm. I would imagine that that probably had, you know, something to do with it. So, um, let me see yeah that whole um that exchange was cool um I just yeah I, I thought that it was nice to see them there and and it actually there's there's another part of it and I feel actually no I'm gonna wait to talk about that until later so then right after that is when we go back to the new realm which needs a name
0: the new realm needs a name I know it I can't was, be the, it can't be the enchanted forest I was so tempted to call it that like when I was thinking about it in my head I was like wait no this is not this is not the enchanted forest but mm. I don't know what we. I mean, we don't know enough about about it to have a name for it yet. So no. maybe the second scene, second scene, second episode will inform that more. But yeah, I agree. I can't. We can't just be calling it like Realm Realm Part Two, Electric Boogaloo, or anything.
1: I mean, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I think that'll be the name of. That'll probably be the name of a character who's like Bing Bong. <laughs> um. So. But no, it do, it really does need a name. And what's funny is, like, we've been to the Enchanted Forest, and then as you and I have dubbed the other ones we visited, we've been to the Heroic Forest, we've been to the Wishful Forest. Um, we've We've done all of those now. So there's, I don't really know what else that we could call it, like, other than, like, the Magic Forest? Cinderella's magical, Forest?
0: But that, I mean, that doesn't forest, that doesn't like, lead on.
1: Like, and uh, today in the shoehorn? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know. Um, what we could call it, obviously, they're probably not sure either, because that's why it's called the New Realm. But these things are difficult to name, so I'm not going to, like... This isn't, like, giving them any kind of, like, like making fun of that or anything. It's just a commentary that, like, it does need a, a name, but I can understand why it doesn't have one. <laughs> so... Cause it's like it's the alternate forest.
0: Almost, well, alternate so. forest might actually—I might start going with that because that does really like—but it's not an alternate though. But it is because
1: it's an alternate version of the story. It, like, it's another book. So, right, but like
0: when I hear alternate forest, I think of like what the heroic force was, where it was like an alternate universe where you know we had all of our people who were in a different role, which is kind of what the case is. But this realm seems to be different people in same roles so
1: well it's well funny because like now i'm just thinking of like once upon a time like volume two remember when henry and violet found volume two um of the books and i'm like what is it the voluminous forest then but then i'm just thinking of like these these like really busty women walking around everywhere so i'm not sure that would be voluptuous
0: (laughs) not voluminous forest
1: that's that's voluptuous okay that's the voluptuous forest okay that's where the 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 The, wench from the pirates right
0: that's where that's where that's where at.
1: Oh, right. Okay. That's where Themyscira is. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, So Henry is showing, yes, and um, no way I did that. Um, So that, oh yeah, that's when Cinderella, she knocked him out and rode his bike away.
0: Right? I want to know the logistics of filming that because her uh dress is voluminous and just, I want to, I wish I could have seen the behind the scenes of how they were able to film her on the bike without like, Anything happening to both the dress and the bike and the actress. Like, I, I do love that she took the bike. I mean, that's what we should be concentrating on. But the whole time I was like, how is she not, like, being sucked under the wheels by all that dress?
1: Did you see how the dress, like, billowed up, though, when she was riding away? Mm-hmm.
0: It, like's all, like, tucked in under her butt. Yep.
1: Yeah, it was all, like, perfect. And then it's all, like, flaring out of the sides and everything. I thought that was funny. Um, okay, yeah. So that's how all that was going. And then... That's when back in Seattle, <laughs> Hyperion Heights, Jacinda arrives home and tells her roommate, who we see later, even though she didn't have a name yet, <gasps> she that she quit her job. That's who that is.
0: Okay, I feel like a dumb because I didn't recognize her, but...
1: <laughs> you feel like a dumb. I didn't know that it was possible for that to be a noun and not an adjective. <laughs> well, I do because...
0: I don't know. Like Maybe because I also... like Maybe I checked my phone when the she showed up in the... Enchanted Forest and only glanced up, so that was, makes more sense now, why they would have her have a line. Yeah. Well. That's Whoops. Why she <laughs> Bad uh, on me.
1: So, good job. So, Jacinda's the, telling her, you know, she quit her job and why, and it's almost time for Lucy to go see Jacinda's stepmother. So that's when she goes into Lucy's room and she finds out that Lucy is gone. And that's when we cut to one of my favorite sequences in any Once Upon a Time episode ever, just by nature of the homage because it is in fact a devil wears prada homage at belfry towers when victoria arrives and her daughter ivy starts like ordering everybody around and everyone's like it's basically like the the stanley chuchi okay everyone gird your loins moment like when everyone starts freaking out mm-hmm. and then she even came in off the elevator and like looked up the same way and, and she was like Good morning. She goes, is it? Why do I have three assistants and nobody knows how to do whatever? And it's very consistent with Miranda being like, I don't understand why it's so difficult to confirm an appointment. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, tell Simone I'm not going to prove that girl that she sent me for the Brazilian layout. I asked for clean, athletic, shiny. She sent me dirty and paunchy and whatever else. Tired and paunchy. That's what it was um i don't remember that speech i only remember the speech about the blue sweater the cerulean sweater i know that one that is forward. a
0: rebecca mater scene they're just so similar
1: it is the rebecca mater scene it is they're just so they're just so oh yeah oh, they're, they're both they're so they're different no they're different they're, they're not so similar different. that's right they're just so different <laughs> and then she laughs something funny oh you know i'm just those look, belts look exactly the same to me and i'm new with this stuff and this stuff
0: Oh, I love that when she oh, I mean Okay.
1: That's when we cut back to the new realm and Lady Tremaine, we see her for the first time. She has Cinderella's fairy godmother tied up and she reveals that she cut her wings off while she was sleeping, that, which I was like, first of all
0: Well, I know I was like, holy crap when she re- I was right. like that was the moment I was like, Alright, so this 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 bitch right here is not to be trifled with. And <laughs> I think it's interesting that she talks like she's completely Dismissive of magic, and she has a point because she's like magic can be stolen. Don't rely on magic, and I was like, okay. Oh, I love that. That like that has sealed the deal for me with Lady Tremaine. Like whatever, however I feel about the rest of whatever's happening, she's very interesting to me now. And whatever, you know, and what once does, and I've said this a million times on a million other episodes of this podcast, it crafts a very good villain. Yeah. So I am very excited to see what her goals are and all like everything like she seems to be doing okay in in the alternate realm there so i'm wondering like what's uh what's what's going on here
1: no i totally agree with you there when she's you know she's talking about but fear fear lasts forever and i was like oh okay does it now okay like that's what we're doing i'm totally in like gabrielle anwar is doing i mean um, we're only one episode in and i'm already like okay i'm here for lady tremaine like i'm I'm here for it.
0: I've never heard her speak aloud before so I wasn't sure what I was going to expect when um she came off the elevator and just like you know her like how utterly polished and posh her accent was I was like ooh okay what?
1: Well and she doesn't speak with like a completely like evil tone either. She's very bright and chipper. She'll tell you just like this that you're a complete bitch and she's about to ruin your life. I think she'll go get some tea. It's like she's very like oh she's like umbridge.
0: It's very RP jolly hockey sticks, but she's evil, so it's like oh crap.
1: Oh, I'm getting umbridge off of that. Like it's, mm. and the other thing that I like too is the fact that it's it's she's very similar to Regina Mills to Mayor Mills in the first season. Like you know she's very similar, but you could like there is a softness there that Regina didn't have. And I really am interested in that, too.
0: That is, and it does show up towards the end, and it's very interesting. Though I feel like that might be a bit of a weakness, that she is so similar to uh, Mayor Mills in, you know, woman in a position of power in a uh, neighborhood, and everyone really kind of fears her. And I'm like, well, I I wish we could have moved away from that a bit more than what we already Mm. have to kind of establish Mm. this new season a bit more. Um I'm interested in Ivy as well, the, the daughter, because oh, yes. well, oh, yes. because I can't decide if she's going to be whose ally she's going to be, because she doesn't seem mm. to be doing any sort of uh, evil actions on her own. She seems to be very much a follower because of her mother, but she doesn't, like, fear her mother so much. She's just, you know, kind of like, yes, mother. I feel like that was the criticism people had with Wonderland, is that the Red Queen was too similar to the Evil Queen. And then mm. but then they fleshed her out and went a completely different direction. It was really, really awesome. So yes. I am willing to sit down and shut up a bit and be like, all right, let's see where this is gonna go. It's been one episode because Wonderland definitely dispelled that for me, uh, in regards to oh, they're just doing the same thing over again criticism. So
1: Well I'm really glad that you bring I'm glad that you bring Wonderland up too, because they've I don't remember I don't remember if, Amy, or if uh, Adam has said officially or not whether – because didn't he hint or something? He said a tweet. There was something. Adam said something that basically implied that the Anastasia from Wonderland that already came out is, in fact, the Anastasia from this version of Cinderella.
0: Oh, that's – so that's why we only have one sister? That's
1: why there's only one stepsister. Oh, dude.
0: I was wondering about that. Oh, that – Okay.
1: Yes. Doesn't so it doesn't that like it doesn't mother, that totally looks, change that whole dynamic?
0: Well, okay, f- several things first off.
1: She looks, she looks Emma Rigby looks just like Gabriella. Yes,
0: yes. 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 No, but it doesn't work though because we saw her mother. No, we did see,
1: well, I mean, maybe we did see the mother and she's a stepmother and it's like a weird thing. I don't know. I'm willing to buy it. I'm willing to make it work. Like, even if they're stepdaughter and they look alike, that's fine.
0: But it makes sense because she would be acting like as her mother acted as a person of um, power in the alternate realms. would That would, right. that would like be if, how the Red right. Queen, well, and, and obviously this is extremely retroactive. Mm -hmm. In that, like, yes, they planned it all the way along. I don't know about that, but it would be a nice way to fit all the pieces together. Absolutely. Hmm. But, I mean, that would be a good way to kind of tie that back in, especially since in Wonderland we have a version of Alice.
1: Right. And it's tied—and then that tied into—and then, you know, Will Scarlet, and then Will was tied to Robin Hood. Like, it all is still, like, kind of connected. So I really—I mean, I like that. I'm okay with the Anastasia from Once Upon a Time Wonderland being— this Anastasia and that's why there's only one sister like that's totally okay with me I'm
0: unless I'm unless they develop something else where like they explain why there's only one sister like right. it's tragic backstory time which they can change it
1: is fine but if that's the way that we're going with it right now then that's cool I mean I'm basically at a point where sometimes I understand that like Writers can have an idea for how something's supposed to go, and then maybe they speak about it out loud because they're at a press event, and you know, like you're asked about it, so you talk about it. And then as you develop the idea more, it shifts in another direction, and then you're kind of stuck because it makes it look like maybe you know you were like people are accuse you of lying or whatever. But in reality, you had one idea, and now it's changed. Well,
0: you know, yeah, it's a very fluid thing. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah. Like it, they it have is an right idea
0: of where they want so. to go, but I'm sure they haven't written every single word out yet.
1: mm Hmm. It's kind of like, I mean, you kind of like plan out, I know like this is the tentpole event and this is a tentpole event and this is a tentpole event and these are the things that have to happen in the story. So regardless, everybody has to end up here at these points for these reasons. How they get there is a little bit more fluid. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I've I've been like kind of approaching, looking at this. Um, and even in my own writing, kind of approaching it that way too, we're realizing that You know, I know what the end goal is, but I can still maybe move people around in different directions from what I was expecting along the way. And if something else better comes up, then I have to figure out how to reconcile. So Mm -hmm. it's fine. But back to the scene, though. Well, no, actually, you know, I want to keep talking about this because. (sighs) Okay, let me take a breath. So we don't really know who cast the new curse, and I'm not actually convinced that Tremaine is the one who did it.
0: See, I'm assuming that. I'm not really that. sure
1: what's going on. Hmm?
0: I'm assuming that. I feel like I read that somewhere, but you're right. I don't think it was ever, like, stated stated.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's also a question of whether she's awake, mm. too. Like, it, with, with Regina, it was very clear. Right, there's Um, no clear
0: indication that anybody is awake, I don't think. That anybody is awake,
1: or cursed. I mean, not mm -hmm. even with another character that we'll talk about later. I mean... Not the one I'm thinking of, I was thinking of somebody else. I was thinking, well, we can just do it now. I was talking about
0: Weaver. I was talking about Alice. Oh. Oh, yes! Same! I'm not sure if she's awake or not either. She seems to be. She seems to know what's going on. She recognizes Henry
1: right exactly and then for her to go and be like someone new in town and then it's rumple and even then when like when rumple or when Weaver, excuse me when Weaver looked at officer rogers so sorry jackie um at officer rogers um and he's like he, there seemed to be a, something of recognition there and almost mm-hmm. like like an oh fuck i have to deal with this asshole well, now. but that's like, the thing though time. is it
0: they're both in the same police station so you'd think that they would know each other Well, that's my other question, right? That's
1: girl. There are so many questions. Like, we knew that Storybrooke had been around for 28 years. How long have they been cursed? How long has Hyperion Heights existed? Has it been there for a while? Was that their first day? Like, how long have they been there? Because
0: Lucy was saying that people are they're trying. She's trying to get them to move away.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, what if that's like? What if the curse? What if the curse created that whole thing? Like, and Lucy knows because she's still awake. And how is Lucy even aware if there was a curse?
0: I like, want to know where Henry published his book. I'm interested in that, and like, I assume, every, <laughs> like, I assume the first six seasons are in are the book.
1: They are the first six seasons. Hold, yeah, that book holds the first six seasons.
0: Hmm.
1: I bet it's the same. Co- <laughs> I bet it's the same. One it, like, it'll be like a thing where it's the same company that Isaac was like trying to write for.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Full circle. But yeah, like it does open up that whole question about. Um, like who cast the curse, and how long have they been cursed, and how long has Hyperion Heights been there, and who's awake and who's not and you know I mean, you know what was interesting too about that since we're kind of jumping all over the place now mm-hmm. is that um what was interesting to me was that when Henry, at the end when he goes to the to the supposed cemetery where his his uh, wife and child I guess are supposed to be or his family are supposed to be buried right, and he's like um isn't this?" This is the 10th and whatever, right? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, isn't there supposed to be a cemetery? And she's like, no, it's been like this as long as I can remember. I was like, okay. That means that she's, like, she's one of the people, like, she's not cursed. She's not a fairy tale character. She's from here.
0: No, I thought that he went back to his neighborhood, though. No, he
1: was, like, he was going to take the hyacinths to to the 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 graveyard of of his wife and of his wife, it of his wasn't family. In, but
0: it wasn't in Hyperion Heights, was it?
1: It wasn't. I. Well, it wouldn't it have to have been?
0: No. It could have just been the fact that the false memories... So he would have thought it was a graveyard. He would have had the right. false memory of that address. And because he's starting to wake up, he went to the place where he... In his false memories, the, there was a cemetery... Because, like, you can't go to the cemetery and then there would be, like, oh, there's no gravestones, you know what I mean? Like, so I think it was just he always had, like, memories that that was a place to be. And then when he actually, like, went there while he's starting to wake up, it was like, yeah, no, that was, it was just a placeholder. It was like, uh, uh, oh, God, I don't, I don't really have an allergy. Does that make sense?
1: I mean, I guess. Oh, I thought you were going to do an analogy. I was waiting for you. No,
0: no, no. I was thinking. Well, I was. It, it didn't come. I was. I was thinking like it was something like in the Truman Show, where like, it. You know, this is supposed to be a building, but it's really just a facade of a building.
1: Oh, I. Okay, I see. But see, even then, that raises the question of how long have they been cursed? Because if he had gone to that cemetery before to put flowers down, then.
0: Maybe he thought he did. Or maybe there was just some weird guy in an empty lot putting down flowers. Or is
1: this or is this a thing where he's been, like, cursed and doing this over and over, and it was only Lucy's arrival that jump-started thing? Kind of like how Emma's arrival in Storybrooke kind of made time start to move. Did Lucy's arrival... See, the, I feel like... here's what Here's what I feel. I feel like these are all questions that we may not get the answers to. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. But I'm kind of wondering, like god i wish i could ask the guys this um i wish that like there's got to be something like
0: i i I think this is a thing where we're gonna get a little more teasing out um as the episodes go on
1: probably i mean because it's a thing where yeah i have so many questions um god yeah i really wish i could ask the guys about this um okay so let's go back to the notes Here, because I want to move off the curse talking, and get back into other stuff. Oh, the other thing about Tremaine I was going to say, too, is that I love how she was, like, she grabbed the wand, and then she goes, how does this work? Something like bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. And then she totally just, she just totally evaped the fairy. Like, just...
0: Well, like, the way she said it, though, was just so ridiculous with her accent. She's like, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo.
1: Yeah, it was very, like... Yeah, I was like, "Oh my god!" And then she would go, if Cinderella ever returns, have her clean that up." And I'm
0: like, "Oh girl, you are an evil one, aren't you? Like you are wicked." Like. I am excited. I am excited to see more from her. Like I am like, okay, okay, all right, give me more.
1: Well, it makes you. It makes me wonder what Victoria Belfry is capable of. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So so that's that's my big thing. It's like, okay, if Tremaine is that bad. And, like, if she's cursed, she's probably still going to be awful. And if she's not cursed, well, I mean, the bitch cut some fairy's Mm -hmm. wings off and then turned her into dust with her own wand.
0: And and really quick going, but jumping back to Ivy, like I said, I really couldn't tell if she was, like, evil or if she was just going along with it. Because, like, I said, she doesn't seem as severely cowed as some of the other characters we've seen that have, like, had to go along with things. You know what I mean? She seems very much kind of like okay i'm here you know she reminds me of like selma blair and like a lot of things she's done i can't put my finger on oh my god
1: she's totally selma blair in cruel intentions
0: yes yes exactly
1: yep that's what i got out of it i yeah that's what i was reading off it especially like at the oh no not even sorry not cruel intentions she is selma blair in um legally blonde
0: Okay, yeah, no, def oh that's way that's better. Who she yeah, is. but that's like like, like yes. when I
1: dress up like a frigid bitch, I try not to look so constipated. Like she that's to that's totally who she reminds me of. But, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to say that the actress Adelaide Kane is a frigid is like a frigid bitch who looks constipated because I'm <laughs> that's no, certainly not what I mean. Is oh a my doll. god.
0: <laughs> like I saw her at Dragon Con cuz she was there with Rain the Rain People and she's like all these like t-shirts and stuff that she sells and, and everything like like they're all like I can't remember the slogans on them. You got to you got to check them out. But she's like really super chilled out. But yeah, no, she's she's and that's not really the performance she's giving. She's not a frozen constipated bitch. Like Ivy actually has a lot of like energy. That that's why I'm interested. I'm kind of hoping that she isn't like a strict baddie, that she she's more like dubious and she's kind of like, "Okay, I'm here because this is the comfortable place to be, but if something really rattles my cage, I'm going to go with blah 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 blah," you know?
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to the character arc there to see, you know, what more comes from Drizella and from from Ivy Belfry, mm. um, which is such a great name. And then um, we go back to Seattle after the flashback to the Tremaine scene. And that's where Lucy, she's making a wish with a coin at a at a, a magic well, but it's like the magic well. Mm-hmm. She says that the empty lot used to be a garden and things used to grow and they can again. And she believes that things can change, but Jacinda is there. She, she arrives, and she says that she doesn't believe in signs again. And she tells Lucy that the wish is a waste of a quarter, and Lucy says not if the wish comes true. Which, preach on, sister.
0: Except for the fact of a quarter. That is a lot of sense to be throwing into a wishing well. I was like, girl, that you would do some laundry with that. Like uh,
1: that's, a, that's a lot of weight for the wish, though. Like, a big wish requires a big sacrifice, okay, in this case, true. a quarter is necessary. Um, and then that's when Lucy reveals that she also found her dad. Which I thought was interesting because I'm like, it's like Snow White and Charming again, but it's not like it's weird, it's cool, it's different, it's new, it's fun, it's today, it's hip, it's now, it's ha- it's happening, it's fascinating. Pia
0: pia, um, darling, pia.
1: Exactly. So we come back and we see that Henry is at Ronnie's still, and that's when Jacinda comes in and she's carrying a laptop and she says that Lucy is still in computers now. And then Ronnie says, never a dull moment with that one. Okay. In that moment, really quickly, it occurred to me that Regina is Lucy's grandmother.
0: (gasps) I, for some reason, did not make that connection until you actually said it, but yes grandma ronnie is a thing i mean grandma Grandma ronnie but like yeah
1: well i mean but well so is grandma regina or i mean Mm -hmm. grandma emma so that's also bizarre um really weird but um it also occurred to me too like there's another point later on in the episode where uh lucy said talks about her grandma being the the wicked stepmother and i was like this poor child her (laughs) Her grandmothers are the evil queen and the wicked stepmother.
0: Henry's going to have to sit her down and be like, so here's your 900 relatives. Um, They're all kind of evil, but it's okay because they're not anymore. Because think about it. her, Her great aunt is Zelina. We well, I mean, she would,
1: she would, she would know all of that too because she read the story. So she knows everything that happened in Storybrooke. That's the fun thing. Everything Ooh. that happened in Storybrook is in that book. That's the thing. So she knows all about that.
0: No, you're right.
1: Isn't that so cool? Okay. Anyways, I love that. I just think that's such, we, I, that's so fucking well, we neat. A I want to replicate that book.
0: Well, I, I definitely want a, like a copy of that as well. But we need we need a scene though, like when everyone kind of remembers or whatever that like of. Lucy kind of getting introduced around, like, and, you know, you know, this is the Wicked Witch of the West, like, you know, and this is, you know, Snow White and Prince Charming, you know, they're your great-grandparents. Your well, dude, great speaking grandparents. of that, right,
1: like, speaking of that, like, if Belle is coming back and, like, and, and Zelina is coming back, because Bex is coming back. Yes. Um... Like, does that mean that they're gonna show up somewhere in like Hyperion Heights, like cursed, like they're like so that way we know that they're all actually just living. They all are all there. They're just living off camera now, like in the land without cameras.
0: Well, in the land without cameras. (laughs) Well, maybe it because Lucy had mentioned about people starting to move away. Maybe those are the people that moved away. Maybe they have to come back, or they're drawn back. Or, like, something about Hyperion Heights, like how the car broke down, makes them come back because things are changing.
1: It's like broke; Like, you're still trapped. And that's what's interesting about, like, about... See, that's the thing about Belfry, wanting to move everybody out of the neighborhood, is, like, if the curse is keeping them there, then she's not able to do that. And so if she's awake, would she really have cast a curse? Like, that's why I'm just like, that doesn't make sense. She would not have cast the curse then. Unless... Unless she didn't know that it was going to trap everybody there. Because she doesn't...
0: What if she's a goodie and she's trying to get people out because when they leave, they go back to the alternate realm or whatever? That would be a bit much, but... I don't
1: know how you can get that. I mean, she murdered a prince. Like, she stabbed him.
0: Well, we don't... In her first, um... Entry, showcase, like... Maybe something changed and she has to get people back. Like, you, you are going to sit there... And tell me that you don't believe that the wicked stepmother could be turned to good when the evil queen, whose guts I hated for the majority of season one until the stable boy, is now like awesomely owning a bar and like yay grandma. Like we literally were, like yay grandma five seconds ago.
2: You're
0: gonna look me in the microphone and say that. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm with it. I really am. I'm with it. I'm just I mean there Re- are Regina there did a are lot enough of, she clues. She
0: did a lot of stabbins.
1: There are enough clues that <laughs> it's all you know, there there are clues. Like the truth is out there, okay? I want to believe. We have so many questions about the curse. But the thing about that scene too is like Henderella, because that's the ship name that I've given them. It's either that or or Sindri.
0: Which, some people are going with that, and some people are saying like something slipper. Or I don't know. I'm like, ah, we, we don't need to put the two objects with the thing again. Like if motor if, slipper, motor slipper. <laughs> I actually kind of like that. I don't know. I, you know how I feel about portmanteau ship names. Anyway, I'm just like, mm.
1: I like them. They're easy. Well, I, so I, Brangelina mm. have a moment, and Henry <sighs> says that he's wondering if he really had a kid or not, but Ob's not because. He'd remember Jacinda. I love how they had that little moment. I love how they have the little moment in the forest when they first meet, too, because Danya Ramirez had said in an interview that, you know, when they first meet, there's there is something there. There's there's not just, you know, like that there's nothing. It was very charming snow. Like it was very snowing. Oh, snowy. Oh, um, so that's when Ronnie offers them an icebreaker on the house, which I thought was so cute. And that's then that's when we business, cut Ronnie. yeah well yeah i mean she's going out of business why not be like you know fuck it drink it all so then we cut to the princess ball in the alternate realm where guests are dancing to the same music that they do in the enchanted forest which i'm sure was more of a production necessity than story but i am going to fill in the canon here and say that some things carry over from realm to realm and the music of the dance is one of them
0: i definitely heard the familiarity of the dance and i was like i know this
1: Yes, you do an eclectic celebration of the dance. So then Cinderella sneaks around and she passes Tiana, who doesn't, she's not, we don't know that's Tiana, but she's offered snacks by a waiter. She goes, oh, frog legs. No, no, thank you.
0: Uh, Now, okay, here's my thing about
1: Tiana. Oh, God, now you're going to start in with your I hate when it's Disney-fied, go.
0: Well, no, now (laughs) here, that is an oversimplification. I hate when it is overly I like the wink and the nudge and the acknowledgement that, yeah, you know, Disney is the most well-known telling of this story. But with Tiana, the story of the the Frog Prince is, you know, been told over and over in different versions. It's the fact that they chose to invest 100% in the Tiana version, which is the Disney version. That makes me kind of go... Could you not be so Disney? Like I like it when we, we were able to like, you know, the sorcerer. Like we we got Camelot because you know, like we could kind of make that segue and it made sense as as being a literary property as well as mm-hmm. like a Disney movie. So I was like, okay, I I will allow it. But like when <laughs> Rumple enchants the brooms and they very much a hundred percent Fantasia their way to his mansion, I was like, no. <laughs>
1: I love that, though. That was, like, that was for Disney fans. Like, that was for
0: me. But that was for so people jarring. like me. it's so jarring. I feel like, it, I, yes, it is for Disney fans, and I know I'm in a minority here. I, I very much know that yeah. everyone else is, like, listening right now. They're like, shut up. It's good. I like it. I get that. <laughs> I really do. I'm just saying it's my opinion that I I liked it better when it was Snow... Like, when Snow White was kind of making the reference in back in season one, where she was like... La la la, bluebirds, and then she's like, "I'm gonna kill him with a broom." When it was, it was a very light kind of acknowledgement of uh, the Disney counterpart. Like I would have hate, I would have hated it if uh, Regina had only worn like stuff that the Evil Queen in the the Disney Snow White would have worn. Like I would have been like, it wouldn't have allowed Regina to be her own person. And I feel like with Tiana because we're going to get an Elsa thing if, if with Tiana I'm worried about where Elsa didn't have a lot of wiggle room because she had to be Elsa um and yeah, Tiana but I think has a lot of that Tiana. had to do
1: with the popularity of Frozen at the time too
2: <sighs>
0: I, I mean
1: princess, princess and the frog I mean the you know I mean I wouldn't I mean it's still a very popular movie because I mean it still appears on a lot of streaming services and Tiana is very popular at the parks so I mean it's still popular but I mean I think that the, the shine has probably run off of, of Princess and the Frog far more than it has on Frozen because Frozen is like a perpetual thing that just won't fucking die. It's like it, so it just <laughs> won't stop. Um, I mean, I love Frozen. I really love Frozen. I just I really think that the overexposure to it as an adult has dulled my interest and senses and soul for well, it because
0: we were drowned in it. Basically, we wasn't. Yes. Yeah, like, so and we a, still are because we still <laughs> sip of because whatever. it doesn't
1: end because it's not like we just had Frozen because then we had like the little animated shorts and then the fucking toys were everywhere. And then it had a uh, Disney on ice show. And then it was announced that they're doing a sequel, and then they put out another animated short, and then they did something with Olaf, and then it's going on again, and then they redid it in Disneyland. I'm just like, oh my god, Tangled is a superior movie, enough with the Frozen. So, but anyways.
0: even when they did Rapunzel, though, they didn't get, because I saw some folks who really wanted um, uh, Flynn Rider's character in it, and I'm like, well, no, 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 mm-hmm. like, let Rapunzel be Rapunzel, don't have Rapunzel be Tangled. I, I feel think like I
1: remember see, hearing or reading that they were going to do a, a version of Rapunzel that's more tangled this year.
0: In with this, I think I, I feel like I've read that as well. Which I'm like, all right. Okay. I mean,
1: if they can get Zachary Levi, I would be like thrilled. And if Mandy Moore could get out of her NBC contract for the Fantabulous mm-hmm. This Is Us, then that would be fine too. Um, I and mean, I would be okay with either one of those things happening.
0: I guess what it is is that if you. I uh, hmm. because they're taking such liberties with the Cinderella story, then when they aren't taking liberties with another story or they're sticking with one strict version of it, like that's it, it, there's a disconnect I feel like. Because this Cinderella is obviously very much her own person. She's not like any Cinderella I've ever seen before. Bar maybe the uh Brandy version because I really like she's much more like I'm independent and I'm going to go get my dreams and not like, oh, the fairy godmother mother needs to save me and send me to the ball. It's more like, nah, I'm going to steal a motorcycle and get my butt to the ball, you know? Impossible
1: um, for, for a plain a yellow pumpkin, pumpkin to become, become a golden carriage.
0: Can. It's possible. Impossible.
1: For a That's such a great version of that movie. That's a great version of that story. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg and what's his name? Victor Barber and fucking Whitney Houston and Brandy. I mean, Bernadette Um, Peters.
0: I was about to say, you forgot Bernadette Peters. Like, holy moly.
1: It's just great. It's just great. Anyways, um, so Henry brings um, uh, Cinderella a hyacinth and they dance. Note also that Henry was wearing blue leather, which I'm interested in to see if blue is going to be Henry's signature color or not. Or if he even has one the way that that red was Emma's. Mm -hmm. So he finds his dagger on her and they have a conversation about revenge that was so Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle from Batman Returns that, I mean, that's exactly what that conversation was reminding me of. It reminded me, like, basically Cinderella wanted revenge on Max Shrek and she was going to go try to kill Christopher Walken and, you know, and then she would dance with Henry when she was done like that's basically what that was and i'm sure that there are probably people who were watching the show who are like of the younger generations and demographics who don't even know about that scene or that movie or anything about what i just said which is tragic but so they probably have no idea that that's where that may have been inspired batman returns is the
0: best batman fight me
1: it is absolutely the best batman at me we'll talk so that's when she says that the prince killed her father and like what the fuck?
0: prepare to die
1: yeah, you killed my. First, oh my god. Like, you. you Elia Martel! Okay. Um. Uh, I was
0: just watching that today, too. You killed her!
1: You killed her! You murdered her children! Alright. Um. <laughs> Weak man will never rule Dorne again. They'll just die there in their wheelchair while me and my daughters do our hair and then die from poison. um, Spoilers,
0: but... um...
1: (laughs) Cinderella says that there is no happy ending, but Henry says that things are changing. Cinderella insists that she doesn't believe in signs, and Henry mentions, which, you know, she should. Mel Gibson taught us. And then Henry mentions (sighs) a land where people start all over all of the time, and he's going there tonight. And then he tells her to find your own story. Now, girl, let me tell you. When I say that I slammed my fist down on the couch when I saw that and heard that and said to myself, you goddamn right, girl, you you get your ass out there and you find your own story. And when we're done, we're going to go put that on every social media page that everybody has ever because everybody needs to hear that encouragement. Go find your own story and wake us from the orange nightmare. And then Cinderella says that her father meant the world to her and she can't let him go. So she runs off to go talk to the prince. And that's when Henry started tripping balls and fell down and he's looking up at a waitress that was holding glasses of like champagne or whatever. And she's looking down at him. And then here's where I was really confused because he was like at the party and then all of a sudden he like teleported.
0: I guess
1: to a a cave with the glowy mushrooms. fell through the floor through the like drag me to hell situation. Is this, like, it's probably something from, like, The Wall, and it's, like, a Pink Floyd thing where, like, we're just not aware of it because it's gone over our head. Um, it's got to be something trippy like that because he was already, he like, he started tripping the balls, and then he's in the cave with glowing mushrooms, and the waitress woman revealed herself to be Alice, who was also the chick who jumped down from the roof in Seattle and looked at him when he went into to Ronnie's to begin with. And then we cut right back to... Seattle, where the girl goes to see Weaver in, like, the warehouse with the super hot guard. And that's revealed to be Rumple, who's, like, drowning a guy. And I knew that, that he was going to end up being, a, a like, a crooked detective. Like, I knew that that was going to be the case.
0: I have an issue with the fact that he's named Weaver. That bugs me. It should be Spinner, because you don't weave on a, on a spinning wheel. You spin.
1: I do appreciate that.
0: that do. It just bugs me. I, do. Um, I get it. I like that Cinderella. Like Cinderella, totally caught me off guard with like, "No, I'm going to kill the prince." I was like, uh, "Okay, all right, yes, continue. This is interesting. Give me more." I right. don't like Alice. Like I, I'm just like, oh. go away. I, I, I don't. I mean, I feel like she hasn't. With Lady Tremaine, she's not overtly like evil and she's shown, like, her evilness, like, Alice, I don't know, it's just, like, the petulant way, she's like, you go to one, one trip, and everyone knows you for Wonderland, and I, for, I know it was supposed to be a funny line, but for me, it was just a bit off-putting, like, I don't know, and I don't know why this is, maybe it's because her introduction was her being, like, extra on the roof, and then jumping down on a dumpster, and then leering at Henry, and then walking away, I was just kind of like who are you that you're so important that you get to, to jump down from a roof and not have a problem?
1: Okay. I don't know how you can not like Alice because I am totally here for it. First of all, her being creepy and extra and leering at Henry. I like that. I like the fact that this Alice isn't just like this sweet little girl who, or even like the girl that we got in the Once Upon a Time Wonderland, who's more of a fighter and, but still is very mild mannered. Like she's weird. This oh, Alice I like, I like that, know? I
0: just don't like her do You know, Do It's weird, like, I'm on board with a weird Alice, I just I'm not rooting for her, like, I'm kind of like let's see more about Lady Tremaine, I'm like Alice, you better do something to make yourself more interesting
1: I'm already really interested in her, because I love the fact that she had an attitude being like, you go on one one-way trip and everybody only knows you for one thing like, she's basically like she's expressing frustration with typecasting
2: Mm. that's hilarious
1: that's hilarious that is absolutely hilarious i mean at least for like a production point of view that's fucking funny like she's t- it's literally typecast no no i know
0: i just i like, i feel like i have to i definitely have to see more of her because it's just i don't know there's well, something about her that. isn't clicking for me that's oh, like my clicking for me that's like my like go-to for this episode is like yes but i have to see more <laughs>
1: Do you know what she actually makes me, like, do you know what what this version of Alice is to me? What? This is the Jefferson Airplane version of Alice. (laughs) Can you see it?
0: I can see it.
1: Yeah, that's why I'm into this, because this is like the song White Rabbit. Like, I'm, that's what she reminded me of, because she's British in that way, she's kind of weird, she had like a punk thing going on when she was in um so Seattle when she was in Hyperion Heights. You
0: were going to say so, Storybrook for a hot minute. I I anyways, I heard that S.
1: Anyways. <laughs> um well cuz I was going to say so, so, I was going to say Storybrook and then Seattle and I couldn't do either one cuz then it was going to be Seattlebrook. Um, Seattlebrook.
2: Maybe that, is, that could oh be our God, new name for Hyperion what, Heights. That's what we're calling
1: Hyperion Heights. Yes. <laughs> totally. Okay, wavelengths, friend. So, um so, yeah, ba- so anyway, I'm really looking forward to what's happening with her. But, anyways, like back at Ronnie's now, Henderella are talking about their lives. And Henry asks if she's unhappy about her story and what she would change if she could. And that's when she talks about how every day she sees an island in the distance um, with got like a lighthouse. And she imagines if she and Lucy had a home there with gardens and things. There's a whole garden thing going on here. Like, mm-hmm. even later on, when Lucy was throwing the seeds to the hyacinths, right? Mm-hmm. And there was like that 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 audio cue of like, that there was something extra going on there. Very like secret garden. Mac- so- yeah. Oh my- Dude, fuck you for beating me to it. It was very <laughs> secret garden. Like that's exactly what it was. I even tweeted at him and I was like, I'm getting a very secret garden vibe off of this. And I'm totally here for it. Like that's cool. Cause if it's a garden that like you go into it and suddenly it's like Narnia and you're in another realm, like I'm, o- Oh my God. Like if gardens are the new portals, I'm here with the rake, like beans, sun beans beans man oh my god they could grow beans in the fucking garden dude and that's how they go places mm-hmm. so that's when you know victoria belfry arrives at ronnie's and she asks jacinda what's what the hell is going on with lucy she's sneaking out in the night to meet strange men Well, I mean, you know, girl, most of us are doing that these days. I mean, she might as well get a jump on Tinder. Like, she might as well learn what's going on. So that's that's what she says that Lucy is moving me back in with her permanently the next day. Jacinda is upset. She runs out. Henry says that he's starting to understand the whole Cinderella thing. And that's when Victoria came over and gave her Regina Mills, now get in your car and get out of this town. Or I will destroy you if it's the last thing I do speech. Mm -hmm. That's basically what this was. Um, that he should go back to his fantasies and fairylands because in the real world, in this world, the real world, people get hurt.
0: Now, point, when she, she was like, you know, you're a writer and this, that, and she said her name, they were never introduced. That's why I think that she's in on it because she knew a ton about him and he, like, never got an introduction. But then I was like, well, it could be explained away in story in that Lucy told or about him or whatever, but, like, it just struck me as, like, she knows an awful lot about somebody that she literally has just laid eyes on two seconds ago.
1: I feel like that's more a thing of... Editing? Maybe editing and also where it's, like... It's a it's a time thing. Uh-huh. You just don't have, like, you don't have time to have that introduction and then be like, oh, I'm what do you do? I'm an author. Oh, da-da-da. Well, like, then
0: you would change the dialogue to, I mean, I know you want that dialogue, but she could have come in like, so you're the, you know, instead of saying strange men, strange writers, like, acknowledging that she knew, knows, she knews, excuse me, that she knows, like, a bit about him.
1: Maybe. I mean, you know, I mean, I get what you're saying, because I kind of did have the same thought. But I was also like, there's a reason why that had to be the case. Like, it, I'm pretty sure it's, like, a time crunch because they were setting up so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had to do what they could. So, um, that's when that segment ends. And then Henry goes outside to leave and his car is missing. So, he goes to a local police station to report it. And the guy up front is a jerk.
0: Just like, that's like, an
1: officer...
0: uber jerk. Like, like
2: <laughs>
0: Jesus. Swift jerk,
1: if you will. <laughs> Um, and that's when Officer Rogers shows up And offers to help I'm so sorry Jackie Officer Rogers is Hook Henry says that he's gotta get out of this place You know he's gotta get out of Hyperion Heights He wants to go home
0: Okay Officer, I mean, seems... Officer Hook has a hand Did you notice that? I mean he's wearing a glove But, but he still fate. has a hand
1: I'm pretty sure it's prosthetic, though.
0: No, no, no. He moves it when he picks up the book later in the, in the episode, because I looked specifically. He holds the book in his hand, and it's it's not like a... Like, I, I had a teacher who had a prosthetic hand, and it only has, like, a certain shape. Even It was a robot hand, so he could open it and close it. But it has a very distinct, like, shape. And it definitely wasn't this. Like, he definitely had, like, the artsy splaying of fingers. So unless that was a mistake, his hand works, but there's something going on. Unless he has, like, a space hand or something.
1: I don't know. I mean, I I don't think that he has a hand back, but we'll see if he ever ends up using it, like, actually really using it, or if it's just, like, a Jaime Lannister situation. Well, it might—I just... mean, it might
0: be, like, he takes off the glove and, there's nothing there, and it's part of the curse. That would be weird. Dude, that's fucking creepy. Okay, so— Yes, I want um, it now.
1: That's really creepy. Like, that's creeps. So— um, like,
0: like really quick, but like, like if Henry remembers, he's like, and you're a hook, you're Captain Hook. It's like, if I have Captain Hook, I wouldn't have a hand in his hand. He pulls off, he pulls off the glove and there's just a stump and it's like, ah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, okay. That made him kind of comedic, but I still think it'd be pretty dramatic. It's like, if I was really a person and then have nothing there and just be like, blimey or whatever he says.
1: All right, so um, I was totally just like picturing like that was something out of Ghostbusters. Okay, so that's when <laughs> um, we cut back to the cave and Henry is like trying to get freed from the vines and and she's like you know get me out of this and she's like out of volt and, and like he's free and then that's when he sees her drink me bottle and and he's like Alice from Wonderland and then that's when she gets pissed um, and then she reveals that she knows his name and that Rumple is watching him and she knows Rumple. And I was immediately like, so Rumpel can see the other realms, too? Like, damn. Like, he's spent the last 300 years really honing his magic, hasn't he?
0: Well, and... also, though, too, I mean, Henry's a blood relative. There's probably some blood magic that works. Oh, but, totally, However, yeah. however, if that is the case, then why didn't he see Balefire all those years ago? Stop. She could be lying. She could be lying, though, too. She
1: could be lying. I don't know that she is, but we'll see. Well,
0: why does she know Rumple? Um, I mean, though, I do like the line where she's like, "Don't you know your grandfather literally knows everybody?" I thought that was funny.
1: That is funny because, like, if he does end up knowing everybody, then that's just—I mean, okay, cool. I mean, I can accept it because he already does know everybody. Like, he really does. Right, but I'm, knows I'm
0: wondering if Alice's deal, though, is if she was one of Rumple's apprentices.
1: Mm, I don't get a magic vibe off her. I don't. I don't. She know did what's magic going on there. there
0: with the vines. She's like a but potion did she? user. She's a potion was that user. Her magic, though? I think I'm so. Well, I, I'm not convinced. I think she does magic.
1: I'm not convinced. Mm. Um, she says that he can't interfere with anything because, quote, when it's not your story, bad things happen.
0: I thought that was interesting, too, because that is quite true. Uh, it's quite true in storytelling, though, unless you're like in, you know, Game of Thrones.
1: Um, so she tells him to go home but he insists on leaving anyway, and he does. He leaves the cave, and she's like, the fuck? So back in Seattle, Lucy is throwing hyacinth seeds in the garden, and I literally have a note right here. Secret garden thing here? You bitch for beating me to it. When Henry shows up and asks if she had anything to do with his car getting towed, and he rebuffs her insistence about magic, and she says it didn't, and this got me, she says it didn't work right away for Emma either. And I was like, oh my god. Like, She is like that's when it really hit me that I was like the fucking Storybrooke is in that book. Oh my god. Henry insists that there is no magic and that he had a family, but that they died in a fire and fucking brutal curse memories here. Oh, and And he's so emotional too. It was like that one like really killed me. Yes, I was like, okay, this is like this is not how I wanted it to be for Henry. Like this is like he's enduring some real pain and suffering here, and I don't like it. Um, she insists that she and her mother are his family, and then she said, that's why you can't write, you're waiting for the perfect first sentence, but no story is perfect, it just needs to start, girl. I cannot tell you what that did to me, like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's just such great encouragement to hear, and I was like, oh, thank you so much for including that, that was great. And then Henry apologizes that he just can't do it, you know, and he walks away. And then Jacinda drives up and tells Lucy that they're going to live their story. Now, I just have to say really quickly about this whole thing, right? Truly, at this point, the most unbelievable thing about Hyperion Heights for me is the traffic. Because I know for a fact how bad Seattle's traffic is, and it, there's no way she'd be able to just drive up like that. There would be cars all up on that street. That's all I'm saying. Like, just <laughs> Like, just factually. So... Um, but yeah, I like that, you know, there's a whole theme of, you know, find your own story, live your own story here. I really, I really like where they're going with this. And then the next segment began. And Jacinda's car has overheated, and Lucy says that it's the curse making them stay there. And then Jacinda sees the signs for the Bainbridge Island Ferry. Bainbridge Island is real. Fairy is real. And says that they're going. <laughs> I said are <fairy> real. Ah. <laughs> uh. um, <laughs> back at the alternate realm, Cinderella and the prince are talking. When he goes to kiss her, and she pulls Henry's dagger on him she says that he's from a family that he destroyed and she goes to stab him and then she stops and she says but i can't which okay interesting take to to use and then um the (laughs) prince dies anyway because tremaine stabbed him from behind and i was like whoa okay this is this okay and she's like, "You never do manage. You never do manage to finish your chores, do you, Cinderella?" I like, like that she's line. Just,
0: she's got. She's yeah. got a lot of good ones.
1: She's she's got some good zingers, and you know, she killed him because he rejected Drizella, even though I guess the uh, the brother went for her instead. And then, so now you know, now that he's dead or or dying, then you know, whatever. Now, now, okay. And then she calls out for the guards. Henry arrives and tells Cinderella she needs to go to where they met because a portal opens at midnight. He'll be there. She'll be square if she's not. And Henderella then both fight the guards with swords, which was a fantastic scene. I really enjoyed. Mm. Really would like to know where she got her fighting skills. Probably her dad. Um, Which, P.S., by the way, like, if they got, like, I don't know, Benjamin Bratt to, like, be the king, who was her dad, that'd be cool. I could go for that. Like, Benjamin Bratt or, um, Jim, no, Jimmy Smith might be too old.
0: Well, not necessarily.
1: Not necessarily. But I really feel like Benjamin Bratt would be the right person, um, for that part. So, anyways, that would, that'd be who I would be chasing for it. So then back at the police station, Henry is irritated that Officer Rogers hasn't found his car yet. And Officer Rogers is like, chill, if you want me to help you out.
0: He's like, I am literally the only cop in Hyperion the Heights. The only person Chill who's out. helping you
1: right now. Well, yeah, he probably is going to end up being the only cop in Hyperion Heights. So, um, that's when Victoria shows up and demands that Rogers find Lucy.
0: Very, very season one, very
1: uh, pilot. Very, yeah, with Graham. Like, like basically, Officer Rogers is the is the Graham character. He's the Jamie Dornan. And then Victoria asks if he knows where Lucy is, and Henry says no. And she can tell that he's lying, which I mean I everybody could tell that he's <laughs> lying in that scene. Um, so then she like kinda gets in his face a little bit and she offers to help him find his car if she helps him find the girls, basically is her offer. Like, do you want your car? Cool. Do this thing. Um, so then back at the ferry terminal, Lucy is like refusing to go over to Bainbridge Island and Jacinda insists Which, really, I gotta go with Lucy here, because, like, Bainbridge Island is just right there. Like, King County Sheriff would be there, like, not very long after that to pick her up and take her back home. So, not that big a deal. Um, so, Jacinda insists that they go, because she finally admits that Victoria wants to take Lucy permanently. She wants to go to the island to get a fresh start. And Jacinda says that she knows that Lucy believes in fairy tales because life is hard and you have to believe in something. But this time she needs Lucy to believe in her, which was sweet because that was almost like Henry asking Emma to believe in him kind of thing, but reversed. And and then they hugged, and it was a great little thing. And unfortunately that's when Roger shows up with Victoria's daughter Ivy to get Lucy. And Ivy's daughter is like, Henry told me the truth, Cinderella's upset. Ivy takes the Once Upon a Time book out of Lucy's backpack and insists that Rogers put it in evidence or burn it or just get rid of it, whatever. And then Rogers flips through the book, and then he stops and he pauses. You don't see what he's looking at. And then Ivy asks him if he's okay, and he's like, sure, and closes the book, and then they leave. Henry is with his car out on the street in a tow truck, and Jacinda shows up, and he's like, the cops found it, abandoned, with nothing missing. And we can see that Alice is, like, creeping behind him, watching.
2: Mm. So,
1: <laughs> I wonder who took the car. Mm, and no then prizes for guessing. None. And Jacinda shows up and is angry that he told Victoria where to find her and Lucy. He tries to defend himself, but she's having none of it. She leaves. She wishes him good luck on his second book. Which is kind of like, you know, salt on the wound, if you will. And then, back in the alternate realm, Henry arrives in the forest for the portal. That midnight portal to Storybrooke. And he is about to go through it. He talks to the horse and says, I know I was crazy for thinking that she would meet me here. I want to know where the motorcycle is. And then he um, he's about to go through the, the portal and he sees a glass, a glass slipper... Among the hyacinths, just as the portal opens. He goes and grabs it, and he's about to go through the portal, but something tells him to stay. Something inside. Something in his heart tells him that he needs to stay. So he stays, and the portal closes. And it's official. Operation Glass Slipper is a go. I loved it. Henry always has operations.
0: This one is so cute. This is so cute. I like that. I thought that was a, I, I thought that was a, if he hadn't said that I would have been disappointed. I'm really curious where his phone gets uh charge and where his phone <laughs> gets gas though. So, like... it's magic. It's
1: magic. Yeah. I'm or wondering he... about that too. Like does he go back and forth, and if so, why is he older when everybody else is still the same age? Mm-hmm like I have questions that, I'm is, my, that is a big thing for out. me
0: I want to know why everybody seems to be the same age but he's grown up like what is that
1: yeah um, same
0: but I think I'm very intrigued like that that was the thing that kind of hooked me was that they didn't go back together and that something happened to her or like because I don't think it was a coincidence that her last left was left I think she remembered what he said and left it for him after something went down um, so I kind of like that
1: Mm. Like, okay. I, I
0: really don't think it was a coincidence. Where did she
1: go, though? I don't like, know. Like she, if she is got, is she like she okay? okay. Like, I don't yeah, think so. That's what I mean. I think like, she's in trouble. Like, like what happened? Um, because when somebody's in trouble, you help, remember. That's mm-hmm. what Henry said. So mm-hmm. that's what he said to Alice. Um, so back in Seattle, Officer Rogers arrives back at the police station to find out that he has been promoted to detective. Looks like someone has a fairy godmother. Ah. And then he gets introduced to his new partner, Detective Weaver, a.k.a. Rumpelstiltskin and Mr. Gold. It really is hard to tell whether or not Rumpel is awake, especially in that scene. That yes. was the one where I was like, what? I mean, is he awake or not? Like, and if he is awake, why hasn't he gone to see Henry? And what is he? Why is he drowning people in What's happening?
0: Why is he playing the ultimate bad cop? I think it's funny that everyone's, like, totally chill with the fact that, like, two people on the police boards have, like, really strong, like, UK accents.
1: <laughs> I never even thought about
0: that. It, I just noticed when they were talking to each other, and then the one guy's like, hey, it's your fairy godmother, bada-bing! And he's like, weaver! but okay <laughs> you, you, you missed this did you know sonny you missed the accents
1: oh yeah you know I did dearie I miss a weaver weaver <laughs> okay so now, <laughs> yes, he,
0: now he unfortunately is detective weaver weaver um, really quick, t- I don't, because I watch it with the closed captions, I don't know if you notice, because like you, you can't hear the first part of his story. Oh, I don't didn't know if he, you,
1: didn't I, oh, did I hear him say that he broke the guy's something?
0: Well, you know why he did? He broke a guy's finger because the guy wouldn't stop giving him the finger. That, I swear to you, that's what the closed caption said.
1: That's fantastic, and also very Carlisle, so. Um. Oh, it's like, <laughs> it's a
0: fucking bowl of soup!
1: <laughs> oh my God! The bowl of soup. I'm oh, star. Oh, those were the good. Those were the oh, days. God, those were the days. Um, <laughs> those good old, old
0: days.
1: days. Um, All right.
0: But yeah, uh, I. I'm, God,
1: we're so gay. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Um. But like he, having
0: him be a detective, like uh, interesting, like that.
1: I knew they were going to be partners.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, I think it's interesting. I asked,
1: I asked at Comic Con. I asked them at Comic Con. In our video interview with High Voltage, if you go look at it, I asked them if there was a chance that these two characters would be working together on the police force, and they could not say one thing or another.
0: They would have, like, and lo, crap.
1: <laughs> and lo, Behold. Um, so, yeah, he tells Rogers that they'll do great work together. Together. And then, back at Ronnie's, she is struggling to sign the ownership paperwork, and she declines Victoria's deal. okay. I wrote down the entire speech.
0: Really quick, I'm just going to say something that's only going to dampen the mood before you, you launch to talk about it. Ripping up, a, ripping up a contract does not make it null and void. I know it was a gesture, but I, just, I, that, I was like, hmm, Ronnie. But anyway, on to the speech. It is a fantastic speech.
1: She refuses the deal, and she says that Jacinda inspired her by not giving in to Victoria. And she says, you're so used to pushing people around. I think it's time you felt what it's like when someone pushes back. And Victoria says she can't win. She says, today I watched you march into my bar, acting like you own the place, and you know what? I didn't like it. I realize if I sign this paper, you will own this place, and that I really don't like. This is is my bar. It's my home. It's my life. Sure, it's seen better days, but that doesn't mean we'll have better days again. Just because life isn't what you want it to be right now doesn't mean you should tear it down. That's when we see Jacinda going to get her job back. I started thinking about all the things I want to do and have that I'm not doing or having. And we see Henry arrive where the cemetery should be, and that's the empty lot scene that we spoke of earlier on mm-hmm. 10th and Oak. And now everyone in this neighborhood has given up imagining what a better life might look like. And we see Rogers looking at a portrait of Emma in the book. My heart. My heart. If we could admit to ourselves that what we want is out there somewhere, maybe we can fight for it. And if we do that, we're halfway to getting it. Jacinda finds a quarter. That's the thing about the people in this town. Things can seem hopeless when suddenly someone gives the rest of us inspiration. And Jacinda drops a quarter in the well right when Henry sits down and erases the poetic opening line with, Once upon a time. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining one is even possible. And a hyacinth blooms. I'll be damned if I let someone like you take that away from us. And she tears out the paperwork. And Victoria says, you'll regret this, Ronnie. And she says, I doubt it. Regret's not really my thing. She takes a drink. And the show ends. And for fuck's sake, if you are inspired after all that, then you're a fucking robot. Mm-hmm. Because that was such a great speech like that it really to me like kind of spoke i think to the nature of what this requel is about in that a new beginning you know like we left the the end of the last season with the happy beginning right well in this case like that was the happy beginning for for Emma and hook and, and that family unit, right? Like together and the charmings as well, like the extended charming family. But that's what, that was that happy beginning. This is Henry's happy beginning as an adult with his family. And the fact that it's more like that Henry is like, kind of like our age, if you will, like they haven't said how old he is yet, but he's more like you're like our age. As opposed, like, I mean, Emma kind of was too, like the same, like she's the same age as Emma, but he's a different generation. He's more of our generation. So, Mm -hmm. our generation has grown up under different circumstances, where the gig economy, which requires things like services such as Lyft and, in their case, Swift, to exist, like it's a, we have it's a different world for us than it was for like let's say, Emma's generation, right? Because I feel like that's <clears throat> that's really what the difference is here. And so it, I, I really got the feeling, you know, that this really was something new, but it's still exciting and different. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to all of this. Like, it's kind of like what I had said in our um, podcast about the finale last season, which was that now they're kind of free from having to, to, they're not so, as beholden to honoring like the Disney legacy as they may have been because they have done all these characters already. And they always say they never got to do the Tiana thing. So I can understand <laughs> why now. For you, it feels like you know the over-Disnification of the show. And I, I, I get what you're saying with that. But I also can give it a little bit of the break, specifically because of the fact that I don't feel like the rest of it is beholden to Disney mythology. I feel like it is beholden to Kids is Horowitz mythology now, and it's beholden to one star mythology, and that it's. I feel like this allows the show to be much more like it was in season one with a brand new season. I mean, it literally is a new story. Okay, fine, but like, I don't know. I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited to see where it's gonna go and, and what's gonna happen with everything. And I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm all in, especially that speech from Regina at the end. Like, that really did it for me. Or, excuse me, that speech from Ronnie at the end mm-hmm. really did it for me. Um, because I kind of feel like that's where a lot of people that I know are at in life is feeling exactly the way that she described. Um, I know that especially people of our generation may be feeling that way a little bit more. So... For me, this felt more like our generation's once upon a time, even though we were just there. I hope this is making sense.
0: It is. You're going to hate me. Because
1: you're going to disagree.
0: I didn't like... I love the speech. I didn't like where it was. I feel like... Like the locale? No. The timing in the episode. I feel like it... I feel like the end of the first episode of this, which is there's a lot riding on this, and a lot of, I guess, fans, new and old, like you really have to make an impression on them. You have to hook them. And I, with Ugh. the pilot, it was that moment when the clock moved, and or where Emma grabbed the key, and the clock moved, and Henry smiled, and then you were like... But then again, though we had the benefit of we weren't one hundred percent sure if this was real or like what's going on. But that moment meant everything had changed, and I know that the growing hyacinth is kind of the same thing. But at the same time, I don't feel the cliffhangery of not knowing. I feel the cliffhangery of they're going to fix this. How are they going to do it? Like I, I, I don't want to say that I wanted the episode to end on a negative because that wouldn't do. I just feel like that that those words of hope are appropriate, like you said, but I don't know if they would be appropriate as the hook for the end of what is essentially a new pilot. I think the one weakness here, and it's something that I really, really love about once that they would do, but I feel like here it was, I don't know why, it just didn't hit the mark for me, was that, it might have tried to be a bit too much like the pilot but not in the right kind of ways I don't know like uh, obviously you know you have uh, you have a, a kid and a non-believer and a town and a secret and no one knows their identities like those are things that I think actually so uh, you know what the last thing I said was completely wrong I, forgive me um, so you have all those elements and those are the things that like I feel like work really well with once but I feel like the things that were standing out, like the or the things that should have stood out were, were the differences a bit to kind of establish this as a very unique show. And you know what, And then as I'm saying this, I mean, the differences did stand out in a way, but I feel like they stood out more in the flashbacks than they did in the present day. I think it is just the fact that Hyperion Heights doesn't have the level of mystery to me that once had, because once, or once, excuse me, oh my god, sorry, Storybrooke had, because Storybrooke was so displaced from time that it felt like it was, like you were stepping into a storybook, only it wasn't a fairy tale that you knew already. Hyperion Heights hasn't grabbed me with that level of mystery just yet. Um, so... I would have liked to see like I said I would like to see more of the neighborhood. I think that was that would have been one thing to help because the crux of uh Ronnie's speech in the episode for her for her Ronnie-ness, not her Regina ness is about Hyperion Heights and the people there and we haven't had a chance to really know them and be impacted by them enough. So a lot of I think the emotion that I felt from the Speech was because well this is Regina and I'm not sure if I'm just missing the intention but I feel like I feel like I don't have a stake in the claim of Hyperion Heights yet I feel like with Storybrooke I instantly because you met like you met Archie on the street and you 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 met a bunch you know I mean you you met Mary Margaret and you were in the school and there were people there Hyperion Heights feels like a ghost town and I'm wondering if that's because people were moving out and et cetera et cetera but I just feel like. It doesn't feel like a real place in the wrong kind of way. That's what I want that's that's where I was going with that.
1: Which I totally understand too. like I, I totally get that. Um, I because I agree with that point because Storybrook was very much removed from time. it didn't very much have a feel of being isolated from the world of being its own unique place versus this is a neighborhood mixed into a real actual city. So you never really know. There's also the logistics of trying to shoot in Vancouver and pass it off at Seattle and try to create a, a distinct neighborhood in a world where distinct neighborhoods and architecture are kind of not a thing. Mm. So that there is a little bit of a, of a challenge there, I think, and I think that you're right there. I, I agree that like there's no mystery that you know grabbed me necessarily. Um, what I will say about it, though, is that... The thing about it for me, and here's what I've realized, especially after, I kind of thought about it over the summer, and I never actually said anything on like the podcast or online or anything, but I have been thinking about this. And I think if you've seen this, Ashley, hopefully you have, then I think you'll see where we're going with it, where I'm going with this. Hmm. This is very much The Force Awakens for Once Upon a Time. And let me explain.
0: No, I... I, hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Let, Let me explain. If you recall at the end of last season when all of the realms of story reappeared in the hat and then the doors burst open and we got to go visit all of them, right? Mm -hmm. And we went back and checked on everybody. That's exactly like the end of Return of the Jedi when you have the montage of them going to all the different planets celebrating the end of the Empire. Regina, Rumpel, and Hook are Leia, Luke, and Han. They are the previous generation passing the baton off to the new group i feel like that's why they took more of a back seat because they're supposed to i don't necessarily know that weaver and rogers and and ronnie are going to be super duper prominent i don't know that they will i don't think i think that they're going to have like maybe really prominent scenes here and there like specific episodes that are themed and geared towards specific things but I really feel like it's going to kind of maybe continue like this, and they will take more of, like, a little bit of a backseat so that mm-hmm. the other characters can, like, shine through. Because then, like, really, if you think, like, they're all kind of a mix of different things. Because, like, Gab- like Tremaine and, I mean, even down to the outfit that she wears is very imperial. Like, even Regina's original, you know, suit with the skirt was also very, like, imperial. But it's the same thing. Like, she's, like, the she's the First Order, like... With her, you know, and her fucking daughter is her, is General Hux, like (laughs) taking care, or or her, you know, or her fucking uh, Kylo Ren or whatever, you know.
0: No, Um, (laughs) idea.
1: And then like, you know, like Henry is basically kind of like a mix of Ray and like Finn or Poe Dameron, and then Lucy is kind of like Ray too, but then she's like. Like, they're all kind of a mix, because then Jacinda could also be considered, like, she's more of, like, the Poe Dameron character, I would say, or maybe, like, the Finn, perhaps. No, she's, she's definitely like the Poe Dameron.
0: The, uh... I've, no,
1: I feel like she'd be more like Finn, because Finn was, like, taken from his family and raised in the Imperial environment to be whatever, and then he broke out, and then it's basically like, you know, the parents are coming back to bring him back into the cult kind of thing. And... No, but that would be
0: very much more Lucy. Hmm.
1: Trying to get her to come back in, you mean? Hmm. Hmm. Okay, but yeah, but see, like but, you picked up but on, the, like that's where the, I'm uh, going with this. the
0: connection is definitely like, there.
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely there. So, like, there's the whole Force Awakens thing about this, which is why I'm kind of like, okay, I I know that I need to see more of this, but I am also thinking back to um when Once first came out, and I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Once Upon a Time fan. Everybody knows that, but I've talked about it on the show before, um, in previous podcasts. But I'll just mention it again that um. When the show first came out, I really enjoyed the pilot, but I hated the second episode back when I only saw it just by itself. Um, I, I I kind of was turned off by the show a little bit, to be honest. And I was like, well, let me give it another chance. Like, I still want to see where it's going. And then they did the snowing episode where I was like, okay, like snow falls. Okay. That, that was a really great episode. I really enjoyed it. And then they did The Price of Gold, which had Emma's speech about punching back and saying, oh, this is who I am, which changed my life. And then they did the, you know, the Archie creepy puppet parents episode, (laughs) you know, all of that. And that was what sealed the deal for me. Like, really, that those were the two episodes, like four and five of season one were the two that clenched it for me. Um, And I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm in like I'm totally into the show. This is this is so genius and so smart. Um, but I remember not liking the second episode, so I know that for me personally, I know I am going to have to give it more time. Like, even me, I'm, try- I'm being positive about it because I did genuinely enjoy it. There were things about it that I didn't necessarily like. There were certain, um, story, like, story-wise, there were things that I was kind of like, huh? Like, it didn't things that we've already talked about, things that didn't necessarily make sense to me. But I also know that we may be getting answers later on or there's probably a very good production reason why it may be a little bit of confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel really bad now by like I don't want to make any heavy handed criticisms as far as acting choices go. But I will say, like I had said before, that some of the takes that were used in this episode for certain characters like Cinderella um, were interesting and I would have liked to have seen what the other options may have been mm-hmm. just because I I wasn't fully on board with some of those scenes acting wise um, I, I felt a little underwhelmed um, I mean I'm sure that that may change and improve and whatever else but you know it yeah it did
0: so. well it's interesting that you bring up like when you got like sucked into Once Upon a Time initially because for me it wasn't until Graham's death in episode 7 when I was like okay, here we go like I enjoyed it but I wasn't like super fully invested until that moment because I knew like all bets were off. They were going to tell a very interesting story and as for the second episode of every season opener is always a big info dump because they set right. up so much stuff and then they leave you with a little bit of a hook at the end and then season two is like filling in the cracks of everything they couldn't get to in... in Or sorry, season two. Episode two is filling in the cracks of everything they couldn't get into with episode one. The thing mm-hmm. of it is, is that I felt like there wasn't a lot... I don't know. I'm not hungry for those cracks to be filled in after watching this this first episode. I'm not like, oh. I'm like, all right. And I feel like they really needed to pack a heavy punch with this because, to be perfectly honest, there's a lot riding on this. There are a lot of, like I said, there are a lot of people who are very skeptical, myself included, but there are a lot of people even more skeptical than I am. A lot of people were, Horn is... Generous with the way they expressed that skepticism that either needed to be impressed, or there were new people who were like, Well, this is different. I can, this could be my entry point into the show that needed to be gripped as we were in that first episode. So, I agree with you. There were a couple of takes where I was like, uh, Okay, whatever. But I'm wondering again if there's something behind the scenes that had to be changed or whatever. They were really. Pressed mm-hmm. and, you know, things that we're not privy to that, mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously, understandable. Um, right. and, and you had mentioned the difficulty of filming in an urban setting. Like, the, the nice thing yeah. about when they would film in Storybrooke is that they could... Uh, Steveson is small enough to where you could close off that main street and it wouldn't be a dire inconvenience for any of the merchants. Like, I'm not saying all the merchants... Uh, Loved it probably, um, but I know that a lot of them were very, very happy for all the uh, tourism that it brought to the town. But I feel like it was also it's also a matter of like okay, but if your storefront front is closed down for a while, it's not that big of a deal. Whereas where they were filming, like I've only been to Vancouver a couple of times, but they were the the bridge that they're filming under looked like the um, it's not a monorail, but you know what I mean, like the light rail system in Vancouver. So they. they it would be harder, I think, to close down an area that's busier. Um, And so that might have also put a strain on things. And I'm going to be interested to see how they work around that as they... Because I honestly, like, you know, normally you couldn't avoid filming pics. I haven't seen a lot of them come out from people, and I'm wondering if that has to do with location or whatever, um, or if I'm very, very willfully just not looking. Um, I just... I've always said that the heart of Once Upon a Time is the town. Like, there is a town in Maine. Like, that has always been the thing, because I am such a sucker for cozy <laughs> mysteries. And small town, like, Hannah Swenson baking mysteries and things like that, where it's like, there's always a small town where everybody knows everybody, but there's also drama, only this drama's magical. Like, yes, yeah, sign me up. So, I guess... The urban kind of like urban community. Because honestly, you know Hyperion Heights kind of reminds me of? It Reminds me of my neighborhood that I live in, and so I think that's why I'm also being especially critical of that because there are, I'm like, but there are things that you could add that could flesh this out more. That's what it is. It doesn't feel fleshed out yet. Right. So, but it's also and, so and like that, that is the, the kicker one, for me so we because, well, because with with Storybook, I felt like it had a personality and was fleshed out even in that first episode. And that's what I think my my hang up is.
1: I see what you mean, but like so far in Hyperion Heights we've only seen basically one street, two. Two streets. Three maybe, if you want to count where the pier was. So it's different because like there's no like there's no main street like there's no main intersection, there's no clock tower, there's nothing to physically anchor it for us, really. Mm. But that may change. I mean, I, I just feel like we have to give it... There was just... There was a lot of plates spinning here. You know, there's just so much that you have to do. And when you are filming in, like, an urban setting like that, like... Um, I don't know. I feel like it could change. I feel like them adding a, 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 an anchor for a physical location to really give the neighborhood something specific could still happen. And even if it doesn't, I'm still on board with what's happening. Because I don't... I mean, it still feels like once. it just It does just feel like a different version of it to me. And...
0: See, for me, I mean, it doesn't I, feel as oncey as it could be, and that's where I think my problem okay, is. Okay, I can
1: see where... Okay, I can agree with that. Maybe it doesn't feel as oncey as it could be, but it's also only the... Where there's only one.
0: Right, like, only no, and ones. I think... I mean, we,
1: I didn't even get into Wonderland, really, until episode six when Jafar's dad tried to drown him, so, I mean, and then That it was not good totally till the end. And, and So, I mean, it might take a few.
0: And, and I think this is going to create a very interesting dynamic for our podcast, because you are a whole hog in, and I'm very much yep. like... Mm -hmm.
1: i'm really looking forward to that dynamic of the debate
0: oh yeah me too actually
1: yeah i because i mean generally and we we like the same things and we tend to disagree on the same things and this is kind of new for us like and our friendship a little bit and also (laughs) for the podcast so to to um, actually be
0: disagreeing and, and and not be backing down from either of our
1: um of the positions yeah like no Like, allow me to give you the expose speech with my visual aids. My VA (laughs) is on why, why you're wrong. So you know it'll be like that. (laughs) It'll be like that. Um. So yeah. Um. I'm. I don't know. I'm just. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really excited about where this could all go. I'm still a little skeptical that it could work. I'm not gonna be Pollyanna about this and pretend that it's all positive just because I'm gonna like be an kisser. Like I can only promise honesty, not positivity Mm. so um there are some things that i think are questionable um i think that they do need a physical location to really anchor the the town i I think it needs something like the clock tower um they need to use the space needle more they need to spend more time in that garden there they need to the thing about once is that once is all about iconography it's about exploring Disney iconography and its characters. But Storybrooke and the characters themselves also had their own iconography. They all had some kind of symbol that stood for themselves. Emma had the swan. She had the bug. She had the, the necklace. She had the jacket. Those things mean Emma Swan. Hook obviously has the hook. You could do a pirate ship. You could even do a black leather jacket um, and a bottle of guyliner. And that would all be yeah. things that are Hook. Um, like if you were making cartoon versions of it, like they even did it with season four. Remember when they had the advertising campaign and everybody, like every one of their objects was frozen.
0: Yes, and, like, I actually like that. and
1: arrow in the story. Yeah, that was really good. Once is about iconography, and so far we don't have a lot of that. We don't have a clock tower. We don't have a bug. We don't have, you know, a,
0: a, I mean, an we don't iconic
1: even... color or really or or jacket for Henry. Like exactly he doublets like, you know. Those kinds of things are missing. I think those kinds of things are important. Um, visually, they, they anchor the audience. It's kind of like hearing similar sound cues. It's kind of like hearing the, the shoo door like sound when the doors close on Star Trek Discovery or the ding, ding, ding from like the view screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, like those audio cues remind the audience of where they are. Since we're in a new place, we need something visually to anchor this for us and make it feel more like Storybrooke while establishing that it's in Seattle um ronnie's doesn't really do that because we don't really focus on the sign like you know if it had been like a crane shot for example when henry was getting out of the car and it came up and it focused on ronnie's and it was like you know like there was something specific about it like maybe she it had like an apple like on a barrel or something like something apple like that's what it is ronnie is missing an apple Ronnie's needs an apple
0: like I get that Ronnie's not Regina but like she's so very not Regina that it's really like
1: she has to have it's too far in the other direction right she needs to she needs to have an app she needs to have something and the really the only thing visually for Regina is that apple like it's been part of the advertising campaigns forever
0: it's been so, it was all over her desk in storybrook like even when she was under when when the curse was happening she still was like ha ha but apples right <laughs>
1: exactly like and even then like the wallpaper had had trees on it like it all tied into something like that this case is different because we are in a town and after a curse of a place that we don't know yet.
0: It's an urban fairy tale that's too urban and not enough fairy tale. Yes,
1: exactly. It's the, right. And I feel like Storybrook had just the right mix. This is too just a little bit in it's like it's I would say the ratio is probably like 60 or 70. 70 30 I'd say. For I was yeah, I was leaning more towards 70 30 urban fairy tale. Well,
0: so it needs
1: a... to be I was like, it, out a bit it
0: goes back to what you were saying about Ronnie's like not being like a hub like Granny's was and then mm-hmm. that goes back to my earlier criticism that Ronnie Ronnie's was empty Granny's always had somebody in it, granted, a diner is easier to sell, having somebody always in it than a bar, but like think about those two locations and think about what was different. There was life in granny's, and there was always something moving around. there was a bit of background noise. It was silent in ronnie 's, and that 's I think what unsettled mm-hmm. me is that it was right. dead quiet Granny's in there. had
1: activity granny's was mm-hmm. alive with activity there was people there were always people in there, you know eating or whatever the fact that it 's a bar makes sense for. Regina and honestly for Lana too, truth mm-hmm. be told, like I can, I mean,
0: well for Lana the entire story, like kind of shit, having it be a like, bar makes more sense.
1: Absolutely, I mean, absolutely. That just it does seem to make more sense. I just feel like maybe there should have been a pool table in the back and people should have been playing a game.
0: Right, it should have been like the um oh the what the the rabbit hole. Like, exactly. Like, right. Oh.
1: Yes. Yes. Exactly. It should have been more like that. That's how I feel too. Mm. Um, and it was disappointing that it wasn't to be sure. Um, But, I mean, I'm still I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt Because, I mean, you know, I just am But those are the things that I'm a little bit critical of Some of the acting choice. I mean, again, I've already went there But some of that as well could be a little better A little improved
0: I think I'm going to take a harder lens on this than you are Which is okay
1: Yeah, that's fine Because, again, we can't promise positivity, only honesty Mm -hmm. So, that's fine so now I just, for one second, want to focus on one last thing before we wrap it up, which is the performance of Andrew J. West as adult Henry Mills. Oh my god, I know, right? Um, I feel like it's important to highlight this because Henry is really the character that we've been with literally from the beginning of the show. And um, it's really incredible, I think, how Andrew J. West has been able to emulate Jared's performance while also creating something that is totally his own um mm. the body language a lot of the mannerisms the way he delivers certain lines the looks he gets on his face it's very much jared's henry oh totally um i think it's just fantastic i think that he did a great job that was one thing that i really did enjoy the most was seeing how even though it's not Jared, but seeing how this character that I'm attached to has changed so much, even for Jared at the beginning of the show with his hair, you know, brushed off of his forehead finally, and he looked very much like a young adult,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like a you know, like a young man ready to go out into the world. Um, that was it was almost like a older sibling slash parent moment, in a weird way, because it was like he's all grown up. Like Jared is all grown up like the actor, like having been a fan of of him this whole time and having talked to him a couple of times like. He's all grown up, that was just really cool, like it was just it was I thought that was a great send off for Jared
2: mm-hmm. to
1: set like that he got to ride off into the sunset on his on the motorcycle and become a hero like that's the way that I would have wanted to <clears throat> to see Teenage Henry go off and do his thing. Go off the on his own that... adventure. Exactly. Like, that's exact... Like that's so cool. The fact that Regina was cool with it, too, like, that she let him go, that showed such great progress for her, too. Um, she, that was a very different Regina than what we had seen in even just the finale in the previous episode. So, um, that stood out to me as well, how, how Regina was a little bit different. But, yeah, Andrew J. West as adult Henry, um, I'm feeling it. He's a good-looking guy. Um... I I en- I enjoy it. There's a There's like a very quiet earnestness about him. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. That I re- like that really come that really stands out like just a, a genuinely good quality that I think is very appropriate for adult Henry as a character. So um I think it's cool that the the actor has that like I feel I don't I'm not sure if it's it really I'm not sure if it's the actor or the character. that I'm, I that I'm speaking of just now, but I kind of feel like it's it's the actor
0: a little bit. It's the it's the actor's craft because I mean I know him from The Walking Dead. and He plays a jackass on that. Oh my okay. god! I like his character I loathed his character. Um, well, you know, on The Walking I'm just Dead,
1: here being totally insulting, being like, yeah, I can't tell if it's if he was acting or not, but. <laughs> jesus well no that's i mean that's um, what I've, actor s- wants I've never you seen, him to any, I've, never that's seen insulting. I've never seen i've never yeah i mean i've never seen him in anything else though so i have no you know point of comparison but yeah like i bought it like i i bought it i bought what he was selling well, i did
0: and it, that's exactly I believed
1: it that he was henry yes i believed he was henry
0: i want that's what i was going to say is that there wasn't a single moment that i did not believe that i was looking at henry mills and i think that's really hard to yep. do when you age up a um when you do it in reverse you know what i mean instead of having like a flashback mm-hmm. with a kid like it's kind of like they're they're not there the entire time for the flashback so you only have to believe that they're a younger version of the actor for like a minute whereas the crux of this season is believing uh, in Henry Mills and I do. Like, the casting wizards have struck once again. I I agree with yeah. you. There was a lot of body language that I was uh, keying into that definitely said Henry to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm very pleased with that. Like, I thought, you know, the physicality, like, seeing a picture of him and Jared next to each other, I was like, okay, yeah, they look alike. This could happen. But he... Yeah,
1: they're not like twins, but they look alike.
0: Right, like they they could be related, Uh, you know, as I would expect nothing less from the casting folks at one spot time, but as, you know, the performance definitely was spot on, and I I love that, and that's the thing that's making me very excited to see what else is going to happen next, because I'm I'm waiting for when he remembers and becomes, fully becomes our Henry, Mm. and how he handles that, because that's going to be very exciting to see.
1: I'm really looking forward to um, they, there's so much to explore here um, because we like, there's the, there's the whole time between when Henry rode the motorcycle into the portal and when we, and when he meets Cinderella, Mm -hmm. there's that gap in time that can be filled in. There is the gap in time between when um, Henry and Cinderella met and when Lucy was born. There is the gap of time between when Lucy was born and when she was older in the flashbacks that we saw in the season six finale, where they were hiding in Snow White's old log house (laughs) and (laughs) whatever. And you know, and and they were there like with the book. There's that whole gap of time. There's the gap of time between when she was talking to Tiger Lily and when she showed up at um, at Henry's door like where has Lucy been like these are all things that we discussed in where's the Tiger we're Lily? talking about the finale where's Tiger Lily like where is everybody like that's the you know what I mean like there's so many gaps of time and so many different things they could explore. like they have years and years and years and years and years of things to explore here like the possibilities are so wide open and any character could appear at any time doing anything like that's so cool like what the hell is Lena going to be doing when she comes back who knows like mm-hmm. i am so excited I,
0: for that like oh i my god. seeing a true yes. cursed persona for her like oh my god yes. i'm assuming she's, she's cursed first.
1: But... oh my god she's got to be cursed yes. she's got to be cursed oh my god yes Moana, maui you're so amazing okay <laughs> um i think that pretty much is going to wrap it up because we have reached the end of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a little bit of an announcement, we do want to let you guys know that you could possibly be hearing some familiar voices mm. on this broadcast next week, maybe the week after. Um, you never know. So I just wanted to make you guys aware of that. And you will see it in the episode title when we get them online. So Mm
2: -hmm. you'll know next
1: week or the week after if we happen to talk to anybody familiar. So that's going to do it for this episode of the once upon a fan podcast. Thank you again all so much for having listened to us for the past few years and for joining us in this new chapter for this new book. We're very excited. Uh, Well, I'm very excited. We're very excited to talk
0: about it. Don't I? I'm very excited to discuss it.
1: (laughs) So that's what it is. That's where we're at. So, for this weekly reading of Once Upon a Time, I am Henry Mills Phone Charger. And I am
0: the Lucky Hyacinth.
1: And we will see you next week.
2: Lucky Land Casino asking people
0: what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.